This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word. We're going to the book of the Psalms this evening. And we come to Psalm 127. If you are uh, walking together through the Psalms with us uh, here this month, the month of April, uh, this is our Psalm reading uh, for today, or at least this is one of the Psalms uh, that are included in our Psalm reading uh, for today. We continue this journey through this month. And as I mentioned uh, this morning, uh, we will... Uh, release a schedule for you. We'll put it out, make it available to you uh, on the social media and on the website of our church. And uh, we plan to walk together through the gospel according to John. And I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about what the Lord is doing in our hearts as we walk through the Psalms. As we come to Psalm 127 this evening, we find that this Psalm, coupled with Psalm 128, uh, these two psalms are family psalms, family psalms. And with all that uh, we have experienced in recent weeks in our nation, uh, we have been with our families, the members of our family, uh, more. We've been able to spend more time with them. And uh, I think it's really a gift one of the gifts that God has for us in this time is that there's a reduction of some of the busy pace of life, at least for most, maybe not for all. There are those who are employed in industries that are so vitally important at this hour, and they have not had the opportunity, perhaps, to spend as much free time as many others. But for the most part, uh, all activities have ceased, and so uh, we're not really engaged in the busy paces of life and the endless activities that have been scheduled for us and for our children. And so there's a time of reflection that we have, an opportunity at least for that time, and an opportunity for our families to be together. Uh, many of us who have uh, young people, or elite children rather, who are in college uh, have, uh, especially if they're in school out of town, have enjoyed having our children home earlier than we expected. And I know that's been a blessing for us. And then our children who are normally off at school each day are not off at school. They're engaging in school at home. And well, I'll leave it up to you whether or not that's a blessing. But we definitely have more time to be with our children, and we rejoice in that, and to be with our families, and to be with one another. And maybe this evening, the time of that phase of your life has passed, and you find yourself uh, alone, and I want you to know that our hearts go out to you, and we love you, and we're praying for you, 
And we know that you miss being together with God's people and we miss being together with you. But the Bible tells us that the Lord sets the solitary in families. His eye is upon those who are widows and widowers. His eye is upon uh, those who are orphaned. And so uh, our God specializes in bringing us into a family, the family of God. But we also learn much through our immediate family, our earthly family. And so we come to Psalm 127 and we see that the Lord uh, is encouraging us in our home life. And I'm praying that God will maximize this time, this opportunity in our lives to help us with our home life. And uh, by these disturbances, perhaps making a change uh, that we pray will endure in our families and in our homes. Psalm 127 and verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's pause a moment and pray together as we seek the Lord's blessing upon the reading of his word. And we ask the Holy Spirit to aid us and give us understanding. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the word of God, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as a church family. We come together in the name of Jesus through the blood that was shed for us to purchase our access into your presence. We come boldly to your throne of grace that we might obtain mercy, that we might find grace to help in the time of our need. And this is a time of need in our lives. It's an opportunity for us to hear from you. And we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and minds, give us understanding. May we receive your truth and may we be obedient to it. I pray, Lord, that you would use me, fill me, Empower me, enable me to communicate your message to your people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've taken for the title this evening, Except the Lord Build the House. Except the Lord Build the House. God is a builder. The Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord is a builder. And we find here that the Lord builds the house. God establishes families. And the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. It is from above. The Lord is the giver of life and he is the giver of gifts. And the great one of the great gifts that we have in this life is that we're able to share it together often in the 
communion of what is called a family, a home. I am thankful this evening, very thankful to have a wife, a wife who loves me, a wife who more importantly loves the Lord, and a wife who loves her children. She is a gift to me. The Bible said, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And so I praise God for that gift of my wife. I thank God for my children and they are priceless gifts that God has allowed me uh, to have a part in their lives, to be their father. And what an opportunity, what a privilege it is uh, to be a father. I rejoice in my family. I'm thankful for my parents, my father who is in heaven, my mother who is here in Hickory with us. And I rejoice and thank God for their life and their lives together and their investment in me. I thank the Lord for my grandparents and I look forward to seeing them again and I'm thankful for their investment in me. And then I thank the Lord for my church family. Uh, as a boy, I grew up in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. There were people in that church who loved me and uh, they were a wonderful part of my life. Uh, there were times in my life when I uh, were, was involved in another church or other churches. Uh, really, I've had three that have been majorly influential in my life. And now I am a part of the Tabernacle Baptist Church, and I thank God for my church family. And I'm really looking forward to us all being together again. And uh, I miss you. I thank God that we can text and we can communicate, we can call. Uh, I th I'm thankful that we can uh, live stream the services and, and many of you are watching. I'm so thankful that we can stay connected that way. What a blessing. But I look forward to seeing you face to face. And I look forward to this auditorium uh, being filled with people uh, who have come to worship God. This is our family gathering. And though we cannot gather together physically, we still are able to gather as a family, the family of God around the word of God. So we praise God that God builds the house. He builds the house. Now, as we note this passage, I want to call your attention to three things. Number one, I want you to see that which is vain that which is vain. Uh, notice, if you would, please, number in verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. The psalmist here speaks of three things that are often done in a home or in a city, as he refers to it in uh, verse number one, when he speaks of the watchman in the city, a community, if you would. He reminds them, or reminds them here, that without the Lord, it is all vain, it is all emptiness, it is an effort with no reward, it is toil. Uh, with no blessing or no result. That's why he says in verse 1, except the Lord build the house. Again in verse 1, except the Lord keep the city. 
so we understand that if there's a house to be built, if there's a community to be built, if there's a church to be built, if there's a marriage to be built, God is the builder. And if God is not in it, if God is not doing it, then it will accomplish or it will avail nothing except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain. Now we see three things here that they were doing in vain. First of all, uh, they were working in vain. They were working in vain. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Then secondly, they were watching in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The watchman's job was to stand along the walls of the city for the defense of the city. So if a, an invader or an enemy was to attack or to come toward the city, then the people could be summons the people could be notified and alarmed so that they would rise in defense of the city so the watchman's job was a very important job but though the watchman might watch if the lord is not keeping the city if the lord did not establish the city if the lord is not guarding the city if the lord is not the defense of the city it doesn't matter what the watchman does it doesn't matter what the workman does in building the house, except the Lord build it. And then we see in verse number two, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Here he is describing someone who is filled with anxious care. This is someone who is worrying in vain. Worrying, wondering, are we gonna make it through this situation? Wondering if we're gonna have the finances to pay the bills, Wondering when it's all going to end. Wondering what's going to happen or what life will be like when it's all said and done. And here we find someone who is expending their time and their energy worrying. I can imagine them scrolling through Facebook, uh, reading every article, uh, trying to uh, find out every uh, every problem and, and every scenario that could possibly come up as a result of this, or perhaps uh, scrolling through the news, which is even worse, and reading the articles and listening to the pundits and the politicians. And uh, as they're hearing all of this conjecture and all of this um, clamorous uh, approach of so many, uh, I, I can see them with their hearts and their minds occupied and burdened and filled with fear and worry about what is going to take place. Perhaps that characterizes you in these days, in these hours, rising up early, sitting up late, wondering what's going to happen, eating the bread of sorrows when the truth of the matter is we could spend time in prayer we could spend time in the Bible instead of trying to find out what every man has to say we could be attempting to find out what God has to say and let me tell you that no time spent in the Word of God is ever a waste no time ever spent in the Word of God would be characterized as vain And we find that we are to be people who can choose how we spend our time and our energies. And may God help us to spend our time not in worry, not in meaningless toil, 
not in watchfulness as if it all depends upon us, but may we spend time waiting at the feet of Jesus in his word, trusting in him. Notice that which is vain. It is said that Clarence Darrow, who was the uh, famous attorney who argued in favor of evolution at the Scopes Monkey Trial, said that a journalist came to see Mr. Darrow and he asked him of all of his accomplishments in life and Mr. Darrow took a Bible off a bookshelf in his office and he opened it to Luke chapter 5 and verse number 5 and he read this, Master, we've toiled all the night and taken nothing. You see, Darrow, after spending his life in endless, meaningless pursuits, he said, all of my life can be summarized in that passage. We've toiled all the night and taken nothing. It is vain. It is vain to labor unless the Lord build the house. It is vain to watch for the city except the Lord keeps it. It is vain for you and I to be involved in a circle of endless worry because God desires to give me sleep. I can rest in him. I don't have to be filled with anxiety and care. I can choose to spend time at the feet of Jesus and rest in him. And we see here as we think about our families, that which is vain. Then I want you to notice secondly, that which is valuable. That which is valuable. You see the vain activity in the house is I've got to get this house built. I've got to get this family where we need to be. I've got to work and I've got to earn the money. And by the way, let me say this to you. A man who will not provide for his household, the Bible says, is worse than an infidel. We understand that God teaches us to work. But if we work as if it all depended upon us, if we work in an effort to appease our own desire for possessions or for position without honoring the Lord, without trusting in him, without looking to him and understanding that God gives us an opportunity to work so that we can support our families and so that we as believers can support the work of God. Once it becomes about us, our pride, our possessions, our position, our station in life, then we find that we spend our time, we spend our lives in a circle of vanity. And so we are to work, but we're to work trusting the Lord, looking to him. And as God builds the house, he teaches us that which is vain. But then we see that which is valuable. Notice it in verse number three. Lo, or behold, or think about and consider this, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now the Bible speaks about children in the sense that they are of value. They are of value to God and they are of value uh, to us. Children are an heritage of the Lord. Do you know the most important, uh, the most important thing, the most important resource that you have is one another? The most important thing that you enjoy, the most valuable thing that you enjoy in life are those that you love. It's your family. It's your church family. 
People are not expendable. People are valuable to God. And so we see that which is valuable. And as we think about the, the, those who are trying to build without the Lord building it, those who are trying to watch the city as if it all depends upon them, those who are consumed with worry and fear, we understand that they're living in a, in a, in a world where uh, though they might acknowledge that God exists, they live as if he doesn't. But once we, by faith, look to the Lord and understand that it is God who has control of our lives, that our lives are in his hands, and no man is able to pluck us from his hands. When we understand that nothing can come to us that does not first come through the hand of God, we learn to cast aside that which is vain, and we learn to see that which is of value. I stand before you this evening a rich man. Amen. I'm not rich in possessions. I'm not rich with a portfolio of investments. But I'm rich indeed because I know the Lord is my Savior. I'm rich because I have a wife and I have five children and a grandson and a son-in-law. I'm rich because I have you. I'm a rich man. I see what is important. I see what is valuable. And the Lord says, as you sit around the table, sir, as you sit around the table, ma'am, remember not to spend your life in vain pursuits, but understand that which is valuable is seated with you. Children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. The Hebrew parents viewed their children as entrusted to them by God. And they received them as such into their households. Quite a departure from the American way of viewing children, right? When a family is growing, oftentimes people will scoff and mock at them and say, well, I can't believe they're having that number of children. Don't they understand what it takes to raise children? They're going to have such a burden. And they almost look upon you with sympathy as you have children. Uh, the greatest thing that we have ever done in our lives together, my wife and I, is produce with God's grace the children that God has given us. I don't regret one of them. I'm so thankful for them. And I praise God for them. And we need to view children as a gift from God. But in our culture, children are viewed as inconveniences. To be killed before they ever had the chance to breathe the air. To be viewed as some burden cast upon a woman unjustly and unduly. This is not the way that the Hebrew uh, mind and heart viewed children. They viewed them, as I said, as entrusted to them by God. And they received them into their households. I think of the words of Jacob when he saw his brother Esau and he lifted up his eyes in Genesis 33 verse 5 and saw the women and the children and said, who are those with thee? That was the question Esau asked. Who are all these people? And he said, that's Jacob, the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Those children are a gift from God, sir. They're a gift from God, ma'am, and rejoice in it. What a wonderful gift they are. Uh, 
And when we understand that our children are given as a sacred trust from the Lord, then we understand the responsibility that we have to train them up in the fear of the Lord, to trust the Lord for their provision and safety, to seek God's will for them, and to place them into his mighty hand. Uh, in Genesis chapter 18, the Lord is revealing to Abraham his plan. And he's speaking here in Genesis 18 in verse number 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? You see, God had a great plan for Abraham. It was part of God's plan for redemption. That's the part that Abraham had. By the way, you and I who are the sons of Abraham in faith and by faith, we are a chosen nation, a, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. That is who we are. We are a part of God's plan of redemption for this world. And God's plan is that we become a great and a mighty nation. And that all the nations of the earth should be blessed in him. Do you know, sir, that God wants to use your family, your home, to be a blessing to your neighbors? Amen. That they would see a difference in the way that you live your life and the way they live their life. That they would see family life as it is intended by God to be lived out. That you would point them to the grace of Jesus Christ. All the earth should be blessed in him, for I know him. God knows us, doesn't he? That he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. The Lord said, I, I know something about Abraham. He's going to command his household. He's going to lead his family. He's going to love his family. He's going to accept the responsibility. And by the way, don't you know that Isaac was valuable? Oh, so very valuable to Abraham and Sarah. The son in their old age, the son of promise that God gave them. And we must accept the responsibility of training our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And while we have this time together in the evening, or while we have time together in the morning, uh, let's make sure that we gather our family together and talk about the Lord and his grace. Let's live before them in a way that honors the Lord. May God help us to do that. May the Lord help us to embrace our responsibility. You know, it is the responsibility of children or of parents rather to teach their children the truths of God's word. I'm grateful for our church. I'm grateful for our nursery workers, our Sunday school teachers, our Christian school ministry, and all of those who are in, engaged in it. But let me just say this to you. That is a responsibility as far as the training of your children that you cannot contract someone else to fulfill for you. Yes, they come alongside you and the church comes alongside you. But sir, ma'am, it is your responsibility to teach your children the truths of God's word. You may not be able to do it with the skill that the teacher possesses but you live with them day in and day out and you live before them. And you're not gonna be able to accomplish everything you want to accomplish in one day. Sometimes, and in most cases, it takes years and years and perhaps a lifetime to see the fruit of your labor. But this we know, that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
And it is the responsibility of parents to ensure that their children are being taught the truths of God's word. To make sure that our kids are in the house of God. Not pulled from ball field to ball field, missing church and learning the wrong priorities. But to learn to honor God and to worship him. To learn to handle their finances in a way that honors the Lord first. To learn that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Where are they going to learn it? They'll only, they'll only learn it if you lead them, if you teach them. This is valuable to God. They are valuable to God. And so we see that which is vain. We see that which is valuable. And then we see that which is valiant. That which is valiant. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number four. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I remember when missionary Edgar Fagali was here with us in our church, and he was quoting this passage, and he said that the quiver had five arrows or room for five arrows. I'm a father of five, so I was really glad to hear that. I have a quiver full. Now, maybe, maybe there are other quivers that are larger, or maybe someone would dispute whether five fills the quiver or not. But the fact of the matter is, our children, our family is to be used for God's glory. We think about the fact that this is what is valiant valiant what is of valor what is of use to the lord you see our world is engaged and embroiled in spiritual warfare there is an enemy as we've been going through the book of jude we're seeing the enemy exposed and we understand that we are in this spiritual warfare but we wrestle not against flesh and blood our battle our fight is with satan and his demonic forces and satan is seeking to deceive many and he's using many to keep others in blindness. And there is a spiritual conflict. There's a battle in your flesh. Paul spoke of the fact that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so here we are with this battle ensuing within us and this battle ensuing without this spiritual conflict that rages. And in this battle, we have to understand that we cannot shirk our responsibility. Uh, there characterization of the generation who fought in World War II is that they are the greatest generation. That was a book that was written to describe the commitment that they had and the valor of their service to their nation. And I, I honor them and thank God for them. But here we are in the midst of this spiritual conflict, in the midst of these last days when perilous times have come and evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we can't afford to sit on the sidelines. We can't afford to just sit idly by. No, we've been called to battle. We are soldiers of the cross. And may God help us to take our stand for the Lord Jesus. And having done all to stand, we are to stand therefore with our loins girt about with truth. We are to have on the weapons that we are to wear in this battle and our armor. And so may the Lord help us to understand that 
these children that God has graciously given to us are compared here or pictured to us here in verse number four as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. The mighty man is God himself. And God has entrusted you and I to raise up and produce these arrows. And as the Lord decides in his sovereign will, he will place those arrows, he will shoot those arrows against the foe as he chooses to place them. We think about the fact that God has a purpose and plan for our lives and God has a purpose and plan for the lives of our children. And we are to prepare them to fulfill that purpose. Now, if an arrow is going to be effective, if it's going to engage the enemy, if it's going to hit the target, then we notice it must be sharp. And if we're to sharpen our young people, we have to raise them up teaching them the word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful, Hebrews 4.12, and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, we need to expose our children to God's word if we want them to be sharp. We need to expose our children to godly people. That's why we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 and verse 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know that we need each other. The church needs each other. Uh, we sharpen one another. We help one another. So if an arrow is going to be effective, it has to be sharp. It has to be straight. Have you heard anyone speak of someone and say, that fella is as straight as an arrow? Well, if an arrow is going to be effective, it has to be straight. And if you and I are going to be effective, we need to develop Christian character. We need to help our children develop Christian character. And that requires that they do things they don't want to do. That requires that we hold them accountable. That requires, by the way, not only that we ask them to do it, but that we do it ourselves, that we model this, that we help them to develop integrity and honor and Christian conduct and character. If an arrow is going to hit the target, it's got to be sharp, it's got to be straight, it's got to be stable. The veins of the fletchings Keep the arrow balanced so it won't wobble in flight. How are we going to keep our children balanced? Well, we've got to give them a healthy diet of God's word. And we have to discipline them in love. And we have to teach them uh, that the Lord is gracious and kind. We can't be overbearing. We can't get out of balance on the discipline side or on the mercy side. There must be a balance, and it's a very difficult balance for us to find as parents, isn't it? And children, let me just say this. Be patient with your parents. They're not perfect people. And one day you're going to realize how difficult a job they really have. And you're going to say, oh, I wish I knew then what I know now. And so be, 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 be gracious to your parents. Learn to love them and respect them and to honor them. These fletchings keep the arrow balanced. If not, it will wobble in flight. And so may God help us not to raise up wobbly arrows that don't make it to the target. Let's balance things in our family. Let's enjoy life, but let's have discipline. Let's have love and mercy, 
but let's have correction. Uh, let's enjoy life, but let's be faithful. Let's understand the responsibilities and duties that we need to embrace. And may God help us. This is a psalm for the family. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And God is allowing us right now to have some time together in our homes. Let's not allow this time to go by wasted. But let's pray that God would help us in our families. Maybe there's some changes that we can make and there's no doubt there are, right? Some priorities that we need to discover. That we would learn to spend time together as a family in prayer and in the word. It doesn't have to be a long period of time, but it needs to be regular. Let's make a renewed commitment that we are going to honor the Lord in our family decisions, where we go, what we spend our money on, the things we allow to influence us in our home. But let's understand that these children and the people in our family are the things that really matter. And so instead of pursuing things that don't matter, let's pursue a deeper relationship with them. Let's enjoy our families. Let's spend time together. Let's play games together. Let's, let's do some things together. And I understand when you have children with different ages and different responsibilities and different interests, I understand it can be difficult. But just a few moments or just a few hours make all the difference. Find some time. Have meals together. Enjoy being together. Experience the wonders of family life that the Lord will allow you to enjoy as he is building your house. Let God build it. Learn to avoid the vain things. Understand the valuable things. And then do the valiant things. Teach your children to love God, to walk in his truth, to seek his plan and purpose for their lives. And God will use them to inflict a wound upon the enemy. May God help us. I think about David, the son of Jesse, the shepherd boy out in the fields, taking care of the sheep. He was a young man who understood honor and reverence and respect for his parents. He was a young man, no doubt, who was loved. He was a young man who knew how to fight. He knew how to worship. He was a cunning musician. And he was a hard worker. He was a balanced young man. And one day, he was called into battle unexpectedly. But he was ready. As the arrow in the hand of a mighty man, he defeated the Philistine giant and delivered Israel from the oppression of the enemy. God has some Davids out here, and he's raising them up in your house. Don't minimize what God is doing. Learn to value it. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. 
That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.